0: I'm so thrilled to be bringing this message to you on a very special Thanksgiving Sunday. And on this very Thanksgiving Sunday, I have a message that I'm so excited to bring to all of you. We're doing a series here at Thrive, which also happens to be our theme for this brand new year here at Thrive, which started in September. That theme, that series is called New Hearts, New Horizons. New Heart, New Horizons, because we believe that God has new horizons for you. He's got new horizons for you to experience in this coming year, whether it's in the way you approach your relationships, or it's in your attitude, or it's in the way that you look at life, or it's in your marriage, or you know, it's in your career. That you know, somehow, someway, you have a new horizon that God has for you to experience. Maybe you already know what that horizon is. Maybe you're expecting a baby, and it could be like any minute now. You're, oh my goodness, it's gonna happen. Maybe you're getting married sometime this coming year. Whatever the case may be, we all, I believe, have new horizons that God wants us to experience. But if you want to make the most out of that new horizon. It is so important that you know this, is that oftentimes in order to make the most out of your new horizon, you have to have a new heart. You have to have a renewed heart. That's because the condition of your heart impacts the limit of your horizon. And so the question is this, how do you get a new heart for a new horizon that God may be having for you? Let me look at that together with you today. Uh, You know, a few weeks ago, my wife and I, we had the opportunity to take our two kids to Whistler for a little getaway, a little short vacation. And at the hotel we were staying at, they had this policy about towels, where you have to use your same towel every day until Thursday, because Thursday is new towel day. And, uh, it, and it's, a good, it's a good policy. It's to, you know, it's to help conserve energy. And so you can put in your request for new towels. And so you know after about five days of using the same towels with a three-year-old and a nine-year-old, trust me, you need new towels. Uh, and so we decided, okay, I'm, we're, gonna, we're gonna get more towels, so I put in our request for new towels, and then just a, a few hours later, we got a knock on the door that I opened it, and oh, new towels, and it was fresh, smelled great, they were brand new. You know, why do I mention that? Don't you wish it was that easy to get a new heart as well? Yes. That you just kind of put in a request, and then it comes to you at your front door, kind of like Uber Eats. Wouldn't you love that? Why, why is it not that case? Well, it's because getting a new heart for a new horizon takes work. It's not just something that's automatic. It takes time. But the good news is this, is that you are not alone in the process of getting a new heart for a new horizon. That The fact is this, is that God exists, God is real, God loves you, and God is actually in a process of leading you to a new heart, whether you know it or not. And if you would learn to cooperate with God on that process, you will gain a new heart for a new horizon. And that's what this series called New Heart New Horizons is all about. It's looking at different ways that we can cooperate with God on our journey. Journey toward a new heart for a new horizon. Turn your and say, get ready for new horizons. Get ready for new horizons. And hey, if you find that this might be helpful for you in this season of your life, I encourage you don't just come today. Come next week because next week I am so excited to bring to you a message that you do not want to miss, which is so crucial if you want a new heart for new horizons. So don't just come today. Come next week as well. But today I've got the privilege of sharing with you a message that is all about the one very important key to having a new heart for a new horizon, and that new key has much to do with this very weekend that we're celebrating today on Thanksgiving. Today, the message I'm here to share with you is called the power of choosing to give thanks. The power of choosing to give thanks. See, I'm here to tell you today that giving thanks isn't just the polite thing to do. Giving thanks isn't just the right thing to do, but giving thanks is the powerful thing to do. Is that when you choose to give thanks, it actually produces power in your life that you didn't have before. What kind of power? We're going to look at that today. We're going to learn three ways that choosing to give thanks produces power in your life. And then I'm going to end today with just a couple practical ways that you can apply this message and become a more thankful person, if that's something that you can use. And see, we're going to learn all of this from three events from the life of Jesus. That's because you're going to find that there is no one who demonstrates the power of choosing to give thanks better than Jesus Christ. No one in the Bible gives thanks more times in more ways in more situations than Jesus does. And you might say, well, if I was Jesus, I think I'd be thankful too. You know, if I was as popular as Jesus, imagine all the social media followers I would have. I would be thankful for that. You know, if I was, you know, if I could heal like Jesus, man, I wouldn't have to worry about COVID-19. I wouldn't have to be sitting at Richmond General Hospital's emergency unit, just waiting for six hours before my kid can see a doctor. You know, I could just, you know, heal myself. Of course, if I'm as powerful as Jesus, I would be thankful like Jesus. Oh man, if I could walk on water like Jesus, man, I wouldn't have to sit in traffic on Arthur Lang Bridge. I could just run across the Fraser River, right? And that would be so much easier. And man, if I was powerful like Jesus, I would be thankful like Jesus. But you gotta realize something today is that Jesus wasn't thankful because he was powerful. Jesus was powerful because he was thankful. And see, here's the thing Jesus understood the power of choosing to give thanks. And he knew that so well that he would use it over and over and over in his life to fight things like discouragement or depression or disappointment in his life. And we're going to learn about that today from three famous events from Jesus' life. These three famous events from Jesus' life also happen to be three of the hardest days Jesus ever went through in his lifetime on earth. And if you're going through a tough time today, this message is for you. Maybe you're going through a tough time in your relationship right now and things are really stressful and strained right now, and it's a hard time for you. Maybe you're dealing with some difficult people in your life right now, maybe at work, or maybe at school, or maybe in some other capacity where you're just like, oh man, how am I gonna get through this? Maybe you're worried about your health, or the health of someone you love. Maybe you're concerned about your future, and you don't, want, you don't really know what's up ahead. Maybe you're going through some financial difficulties right now, and it is stressful. Maybe you're just kind of bored with life. You're just like, oh, life is so meaningless. What's the purpose in all of this? If that's you, if you can relate to any one of those situations, then I think you're going to especially benefit from today's message called the power of choosing to give thanks. Because you're going to find this. In these three famous events from Jesus' life, Jesus is gonna choose to give thanks in situations where you and I do not normally give thanks. And then after he gives thanks, on the other side of that thanksgiving, a miracle takes place and a new horizon appears for both him and the people around him. Now, maybe you're here and you're, you're kind of very skeptical about the Bible. You're kind of like, how do we know that the Bible is trustworthy? How do we know these miracles that we're reading about actually really even happened? And if that's you, I'm so glad you're here. I had the same questions as well. When I was exploring different faiths, different types of spirituality, exploring Christianity, I had the same questions as well. And what I found was this, is that the more time I spent looking at you know, the reasons and the evidence for the trustworthiness of the Bible and against the trustworthiness of the Bible, I found there's actually really good reasons to trust the Bible. And that, in fact, what you see in the Bible when it talks about miracles, this is the way I think of it. What's the greatest miracle in the Bible? The greatest miracle. You know what the greatest miracle is? It's the first verse in the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's the idea that God made this incredible, massive universe out of nothing. It was something that came out of nothing. Now, there is more and more tremendous scientific evidence that points to the idea that this universe wasn't always there, but it came out of nothing. And you might be, oh, was it just a random accident that was there? You know, What was the reason? I think the best explanation is that someone stood outside of time and space who's powerful, intelligent, who banged this thing into existence, and we believe that is God, right? And so if it is reasonable to believe that God made possible the most powerful, most amazing, the greatest miracle in all the Bible, then it is also not unreasonable to believe that God can do the smaller miracles that we're talking about today. And so with that in mind, let's look at three famous events from Jesus' life. From this, we're going to learn three ways that choosing to give thanks is powerful. If you find it helpful to take notes, I highly encourage you to do so. First way that choosing to give thanks is powerful. Number one, when you choose to give thanks, you realize you're a lot more blessed than you first thought. When you choose to give thanks, you realize you're a lot more blessed than you first thought. We can always be complaining and frustrated and stuff, but when you choose to give thanks, you realize just how blessed you are. Let me show you the first event from Jesus' life. Look at Matthew chapter 14, and why don't you look at verse 13 from Matthew chapter 14 with me right now. Why don't you read it right now? It says, when Jesus heard what had happened. Stop right there, all right? I know I just, I started you, and I cut you off right there. Why? It's because what did Jesus hear just happen? Jesus has just lost his cousin. His name is John. John is just a few months older than Jesus. They're tight. They're close friends. And not only that, you know, Jesus and John, they're both in the prime of their lives. And yet Jesus hears that John's life has just been cut short, that John has just died in a violent way. And so Jesus, he is grieving. He is suffering from the loss of a loved one. Not just that, but John was a preacher they called him John the Baptist. And John was a preacher who was executed for his preaching. And Jesus, of course, he is a preacher as well. And if you're Jesus, you probably are thinking yourself, uh-oh, what if I'm next? You might even feel kind of like in that, that Netflix drama Squid Game, like, oh my goodness, when am I next? Am I the next one to die? Is that me? Am I the next one there? And so Jesus, he's dealing with shock. He's dealing with grief. He's dealing with a tremendous amount of hard emotions. This is one of the hardest days of Jesus' life. And so what does Jesus do? Very understandably, what does he do with his disciples? It says he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. Verse fourteen. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed they're sick. See, I, I, I admire that in Jesus, is that on an extremely difficult day, he chooses to withdraw, go to a solitary place like any one of us would want to, and there he finds that a crowd has followed him, a huge crowd, and rather than shooing them away and saying, give me space, he actually takes the time to serve their needs, and just goes to show that sometimes when you're going through a really tough time, one of the best things you can do to get your mind off yourself and your mind off your pain is to help someone else. See, that's what Jesus did. And see, as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. It's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. What does Jesus say? Jesus says, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Verse 17, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. They answered, notice this, the disciples were focused on what they didn't have. They're like, we don't have enough for ourselves, let alone for all these people. You want us to feed everyone? We don't have enough. And they're focused on everything they're missing, and that, maybe that's you today. Maybe you're kind of focused on everything that you're missing right now, and you feel like you don't have enough. If that's you, listen up to this. Verse 18 says, bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks. If you have your bobs in front of you, would underline those words. Looking up to heaven He gave thanks. What's going on here? Notice the difference. Whereas Jesus' disciples are looking down on what they have and complaining. Jesus takes what they have. He looks up and he thanks God. Some are looking down. Jesus looks up, and he gives thanks. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. See what's going on. In a time when the people all around Jesus were focused on what they didn't have, focused on how, you know, this is wrong in my life, and, and I don't have enough here, Jesus chooses instead to give thanks for what he does have, and after he choose to give thanks, he's able to use what he has, not even just to feed himself, but to feed many others too. That's the power of choosing to give thanks. Now, don't get me wrong. Maybe you are in charge of Thanksgiving dinner tonight and you have to prepare a dinner, and you don't feel like preparing dinner, maybe you don't feel like ordering out, you don't feel like buying anything, you're just kind of lazy, you're like, you know what, can we just maybe get some frozen fish from the, 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 the freezer, get some bread from the cupboard, and I'll just thank God, and I'm just gonna believe we're gonna have two turkeys for everybody and we'd have you know roasted potatoes, mashed potatoes, marshmallow yam, you know all that. And you know I, I can't guarantee that just by you saying thank you that that's going to happen. But the lesson is this, when you choose to give thanks, you realize you're a lot more blessed than you first. You realize that you're a lot more blessed than you first thought. It's the idea that you enjoy life more as a result. You can get through stuff better. You can be a blessing to others even. You know, last month my wife Charlene and I, we celebrated our 18th year anniversary together. Yeah, yeah, praise God. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, we got married when we were five years old. That's right. Yeah, yeah that's, you know, that, that's how we roll here at Thrive Church. No, I'm kidding. Child marriage does not happen in our church, thank God. But, but here's the thing, is that uh, you know, the biggest decision that Charlene and I made as a couple, a married couple, the first big decision we ever made, was we decided to move from Vancouver, where we were living, to a place called Taiwan. Taiwan is a Mandarin-speaking country, it's where Charlene was born, it's where Charlene's parents lived, and we thought, you know, to spend time with them, that would be a good move for us, so we decided to move from Vancouver to Taiwan. Charlene is Perfect in Mandarin. I speak no Mandarin, and praise God. Here at Thrive, we are a multicolored, multiethnic, multicultural church. Amen. We haven't have a lot of Asians here because Vancouver has a lot of Asians. But praise God. Here's the thing: is that you know, for those of you who are not familiar with Mandarin, you're not alone. I wasn't familiar with Mandarin, at all, so Let me tell, to teach you just one word in Mandarin that you might want to know. The word is "dui." Everyone say "dui." Yeah. Very good. Everyone say "dui." Yeah. What does "dui" mean? "Dui" means correct or right you might want to try it later and see correct or right and see here's the thing that's the only word that i knew going into taiwan the only word i remember you know it's one of those things where immediately i felt like this is going to be tough have you ever moved from one country to another? And just you know, it's tough. You know, it's it's just kind of everything's different. The culture's different. The customs are different. So The language is different. And it's one of those things where you have to adjust constantly. And I had a really tough time in that adjustment. I remember it was the first time I decided to go and order breakfast for myself in Taiwan. Uh, and I was like, you know, I finally have the courage to speak in this new language. I had my textbook open. I went downstairs to the breakfast place at the bottom of the apartment where we lived. I went to the up to the counter, and with my textbook in hand, I said, y'all chi which means, I want to eat some pan-fried dumplings, please. And the woman on the other side of the counter said, 你要幾分呢? And I was like, I have no idea what that means. What, what does that even mean? And so I, I just figured, I assumed she was saying, how many do you want to eat? So I was like, okay, how many dumplings do I feel like? I, I, okay, uh, 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 I meant two hands. Uh, Twelve. 12. 12. And, and, and she, she's like, are you sure? And then I said, Uh, then and little did I know that she that day wasn't asking me how many dumplings I want to eat. She was asking me how many portions of dumplings did I want to order. And so on that day, I didn't go home with 12 dumplings. On that day, I went home with 144 dumplings. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm never ordering food for myself again for as long as I live in Taiwan. And not just that, not only was ordering food tough, but you know, I was sick all the time when I was in Taiwan. You know, it was one of those things where here in Vancouver, I'm healthy. Right? But when I go to Taiwan, for some reason, just my body didn't jive with the climate. And so as a result, I'm sneezing all the time. My nose is running all the time. At 4 a.m. I would sneeze myself awake. i Oh, it's time to wake up. And it was one of those things where you know they say it doesn't snow in downtown Taipei, Taiwan, but it was a snowing in my bedroom. You know why? Because I'd be lying in bed, I'd have all these tissues in my nose, I'd be throwing them on the floor. It's like it's like there's like snow falling on the ground in my bedroom. It was just one of those things. I remember go to the, the doctor every month, and be like you are here again <gasps> you know and, and and it was just one of those things where you know I I, I'm, I' I don't even know why I'm here I remember work was really busy I was working for a law firm working a lot of overtime hours and I was really curious what would be my first paycheck so I go to the bank machine I get my first paycheck and I go wow forty thousand dollars ching ching <laughs> but then wait a minute. Whoa, that's not $40,000 Canadian. That's $40,000 new Taiwanese dollars. Oh my goodness. What am I doing here? I could be making so much more money in Vancouver. What are we doing here? And you know, I was just complaining a lot, frustrated about my life, gave my wife a really hard time because she's dealing with this guy. And it was one of those things where it just became so tough because I was focused on everything I was missing. I was like the disciples in Matthew chapter 14. I was just focused on we don't have enough. You know, what what are we going to do? and I'm missing all these things, and I don't have enough. as it's focus on everything that was wrong. And see, here's the thing, it was almost to the point where I, get in, I got into a bit of a depression while I was living in Taiwan where I'm like, you know, can we just leave this place? Do we have to stay here? And it was one of those where, you know, I started almost like creating a prison for myself where every day I'm just counting down the day until we can leave Taiwan. Oh, just 12 more months and we can leave Taiwan. Oh, just 11 more months and we can go back to Vancouver. And and it was like, I I looked at Vancouver as like this salvation kind of thing. I was like, oh, when can we go? And you know what, it was one of those things where I was miserable, absolutely miserable. And you know what the turning point for me was? Is that a few months in, there was a pastor who said this to me, and it's so simple, but never forget. He said, every day, find one thing to be thankful for. Every day, find one thing to be thankful for. And so, you know what? I had nothing to lose. I was already really depressed. I was like, you know, I might as well try that. So the next morning at 4 a.m., I wake up, I roll out of bed, I'm sitting on the edge of the bed. I'm like, I find one thing to be thankful for. Find one thing to be thankful. And at first it was tough. Because, like you know, you know, when you get into this pattern of thinking the same way over and over about what's wrong and what you're missing and complaining, you get, you get into this rut, you get into this pattern of thinking that way, that it becomes really tough to think any other way. And that was me. And, but it was, okay, fine, something to be thankful for. And so I'm like, okay, well, you know what? Okay, what, what can I be thankful for? And for some reason, the first thing that came to mind was, God, thank you that I've got two hands. And thank you that both hands work. I don't know why that was the first thing that came to mind, but that was the first thing that came to mind. And I was like, you know, thank you that I've got clothes on my back. And you know, thank you that I've got food on the table. I've got a lot of dumplings, you know. Uh, you know th- thank you that I've got a roof over my head. Thank you that I've got a wife who puts up with so much of me. Thank you that I've got, you know, one, my wife's family who are now my family and who are truly amazing and who take good care of me. Thank you that I've got a job. It's maybe not the highest paying job, but I'm thankful for that job. Thank you for my church community. And you know, the more and more I started to realize that, you know, I have this to thank God for, I have this to thank God for, you know what happened? My perspective started to change. And all of a sudden I started to realize when I chose to give thanks that, you know what? Life was not anywhere near as bad as my complaining made it out to be. I was just focused on all the wrong things. But when I chose to give thanks and choose what we call here at Thrive, an attitude of gratitude, all of a sudden my circumstances didn't change. I still couldn't order breakfast for myself, but my perspective changed and I enjoyed life so much more to the point where I didn't want to leave after a while. And it just goes to show this, is that when you choose to give thanks, it changes your perspective. When you choose to give thanks, you realize that you're actually a lot more blessed than you first thought. You know, there's a a saying from one of the big banks in Canada where they say, you are richer than you think. (laughs) And uh, let me tell you this way, going to banks won't always make you feel richer, but giving thanks always makes you feel richer. And so you want to give thanks. You want to choose to give thanks. That's part of the power of giving thanks. Is this helpful in this place so far? That's the first way that giving thanks, choosing to give thanks is powerful. Look at number two. Number two, when you choose to give thanks, it brings dead things back to life. When you choose to give thanks, it helps bring dead things back to life. See, John chapter 11. What do I mean by that? Look at verse 17. It says, now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Okay, what's going on? Here, another hard day for Jesus. Jesus has just found out that he's lost another friend. His name is Lazarus. Notice how often Jesus was surrounded by death and disappointment and heartbreak and crying and mourning. Notice how often he was surrounded that way. But he, his, he's lost his friend, so he goes to his friend's sister's. Lazarus's sisters, Mary and Martha, he goes to comfort them. He himself is grieving. And look what happens. Verse 33, read it with me. It says, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept all right? So Jesus, he himself is weeping. Jesus is grieving himself. But keep on going. Verse 36 says, so the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God so they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said father I thank you stop right there would you underline those words you have in front of you by the way you read that awesome by the way love it when you guys respond father I thank you See, in a time of mourning, a time of grief for Jesus, where he is surrounded by death, Jesus chooses to give thanks. He says, Father, I thank you. He says, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. In verse 42 says, I knew you always hear me. Because I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to him, unbind him and let him go. What's what's happening here? Jesus' heart is breaking for the loss of someone he loves. He's weeping, he's grieving. Yet in the middle of Jesus' mourning, Jesus chooses to give thanks. And that thanksgiving becomes part of a process by which Jesus actually raises Lazarus the dead man back to life. And see, what's the lesson here? Is that when you choose to give thanks, it helps bring dead things back to life. Now, don't get me wrong. If Say you lost your pet bunny, and your bunny is now no longer alive. And you just, I'm not saying, if you just thank God for that bunny, that somehow that, that bunny is just gonna start hopping in. I'm not saying that. Only God holds the power of life and death. But what I mean is this, is that with the things that are within your control, When we choose to handle those things with an attitude of gratitude, when we choose to handle those things with a thankful heart, we can actually take things that we thought were dead and turn them back to life. Let me tell you, for example, in the context of relationships, you know, after pastoring for about 14 years, I can find, I I can say this, is that often when we see, you know, unfortunately, when we see relationships falling apart, you know how relationships die Relationships usually don't die because of one massive sudden explosion or one big fight. Usually relationships don't end that way. You know how relationships end? They usually die a slow death. It's a slow death where not just over one night, but over months, even years, the two people in that relationship just just stop appreciating one another. They stop really going out of their way to express any thanks to another. It dies because of a lack of gratitude. In fact, Harvard University did a study where they found that couples who often say thank you to one another had happier, healthier, longer-lasting relationships. And their study even found that just by saying thank you to one another often or more often than before. Couples could actually counteract the effects of any conflicts they went through and they're actually less prone to separating. And see, what the lesson there is this, is that if you wanna breathe new life into your relationships, choose to give thanks more often. Choose to say what you're thankful for to them so that they know as well. Would you hear me say, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful, I'm thankful for you. You know, It's for that reason that I actually keep on my phone a list in my notes section, which I call my What I Love About Shar" list. Um, and uh, I've been keeping this for months, but it wasn't until about a few days ago, because uh, Shar knew, knew that I was preaching this much, that she realized I actually have a What I Love About Shar" list. You guys want to hear a little bit from my What I Love About Shar" list? You guys want to hear? Okay, I, I actually printed out here so I don't have to look at my phone. And, and Char, Char didn't want me to share any of it, but, she, but after back and forth, husband and wife kind of stuff, uh, she said, okay, you can share three, all right? Let's see if I share more than three. Let me see. All right, number one. Number one. uh, Okay, things I love about Char. Number one, uh, I love her voice on the phone when I call. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Number two, number two, she's pretty on the outside and even more beautiful on the inside. Uh, Number three, she goes out of her way to thank me often for things I do. That's three. Let me keep on going. Number four. She really tries to give me space to do the things I need to do. Number five, she's highly responsible. She keeps her word even when it hurts. Number six, she's always encouraging to me uh, when it comes to my preaching. Number seven, she's a fun person to talk to when she is not stressed. Uh, Number eight, she's the only other person in the world who can do the voices of all three of our stuffed beavers. Don't ask me to explain that one, all right? Uh, Number nine, she's efficient and thoughtful in her planning and organization. Number ten, she's cheerful when not stressed or frustrated. (laughs) Number 11, she recovers quickly after her fall. Number 12, she doesn't hold grudges. Number 13, she's an incredible mom. Number 14, she's an incredible shepherd for others. Number 15, she courageously shares the gospel and leads people to Jesus. Number 16, she loves the church, God's people. Number 17, she strives for excellence in everything she does. Number 18, she's got the best EQ of anyone I've ever met. Number 19, she's very wise in her decision-making and the counsel she gives. Number 20, she's not materialistic. Number 21, she has a heart to make disciples of her family and her church. Number 22, she loves my side of the family extremely well. She's the best daughter-in-law that could there, there could ever be number 23 she's not a loud mouth a chatterbox a gossiper number 24 she's an extremely hard worker and never quits oh my goodness <laughs> there, there's a lot here Number number twenty num- number twenty five. She's positive and full of faith. She 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 prays through her problems instead of just complaining about them. Uh, number six, 26, twenty six. I'm losing count now. Number twenty six. She thinks creatively and strategically. Number twenty. She twenty seven. She li- loves Jesus and has a soft heart. To her. I could go on and on. There's more, but but, but he, he, here's the thing, is that wh- whenever I'm tempted to take Char for granted, I'll take out my what I love about Char list. And after even just reading it right now, a part of my heart is touched because it makes me realize just how incredibly lucky I am to have her in my life. And it's one of those things where, you know, she didn't change in the time that I read this list. What changed was my perspective and I I can take her not for granted so much, it renews my heart. It's sometimes what I call the card-writing effect. Have you had this happen before? Like you're writing a card to someone, and just because of the fact that you're focusing on them, you start to really appreciate them a lot more. You know, for example, there's a few months ago when my, my older son Bradley, he had a birthday, And, you know, Char and I, were both in the same room. We're both writing a card to him, like, individually. We're going to put it together in a little project for him. And it's kind of funny that in the middle of that night, as we're both writing cards, we both actually start crying at the same time. (laughs) And the reason is because we both realized, man, we are so lucky to have this son in our lives. And we're so blessed by him, and we're so thankful for him. It actually brought us to tears. And in a way, you could even say that that thankfulness, choosing to give thanks, breathed new life into that relationship. And it's not that the relationship was bad before. It's awesome already. But it's just that it breathes new life every time you choose to give thanks. Amen? What's the lesson here is that when you choose to give thanks, it helps bring dead things back to life. It can turn bad relationships into better relationships. It can take good relationships and turn them into great relationships. Here's a question for you today. What is one relationship in your life where you think it would really benefit you and that other person to give thanks more often? You know, the, the Bible in Proverbs says that the, the tongue has the power of life and death. In other words, through our words, we're either giving life to people or bringing death to them. And with you to be honest with yourself and look at the way you've been handling maybe a relationship in your life that's maybe not going so well right now, ask yourself this question, what kind of words have I been using with them? Have I been speaking thankful words, words of appreciation, or have I been using complaining words, critical words? See, here's the thing. Could it be that maybe by speaking complaining, critical, worried, uncontrolled words, you're actually not just hurting them, but you're hurting yourself. Maybe you're hurting your reputation. Maybe you're hurting your character. Maybe you're hurting your motivation. Maybe you're hurting your peace of mind. See, rather than bringing death to people through our words, we can start bringing life to people, and it begins by choosing to give thanks. Amen? Amen. 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 Turn your and say, I want to choose to give thanks. I want to choose to give thanks because when you choose to give thanks, it helps bring dead things back to life. Number three, the third way that giving thanks is powerful. When you choose to give thanks, it helps you persevere and fulfill God's purpose for your life. See, there is a persevering power that comes when you choose to give thanks. Mark chapter 14, 17. This is another hard day in Jesus' life. In fact, I would say this was the worst night of Jesus' life. Look at verse 17 of Mark chapter 14. Read it with me. It says, When evening came, Jesus arrived with the 12. While they were reclining at the table eating, he said, I tell you the truth. One of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They were saddened, and one by one they said to him, Surely not I. It is one of the 12, he replied, one who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go just just as it is written about him, but woe to that man who betrays the son of man. It will be better for him if he had not been born. What's going on here? This is Jesus on the worst night of his life. Jesus knows that just as the scriptures have been prophesying and predicting centuries before, this is a time when he is going to be betrayed by someone he loves, arrested for stuff that he didn't do, tortured, crucified on a cross, and killed. See, Jesus already knew that this was all part of God's plan and purpose for His life—is to suffer and die for the sins of the world. And still, He had a choice whether or not to go through with it. Now, if you're Jesus, how would you respond? If you knew that on this day your best friend was going to betray you, or that you're going to be arrested for stuff that you didn't do, how would you respond to all of that? Look at how Jesus responds. Look at verse 22. It says, "While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks. Stop right there. He gave thanks." And then he broke it and gave to his disciples saying, take it, this is my body. Verse 23, then he took the cup, gave thanks and offered to them and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. I tell you the truth, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Notice what's going on. On the worst night of Jesus' life, Jesus gave thanks. And Jesus didn't just give thanks once. He gave thanks over and over and over. He takes bread, he breaks it and gives thanks. He takes a cup, he holds it and he gives thanks. He sings a hymn with his disciples, giving thanks to God. Why is he doing that? Why is Jesus giving thanks so often on the worst night of his life? Is it because, you know what, oh, my best friend's gonna betray me? Yes. Oh, I'm going to be arrested for stuff I didn't do. Woo! Oh, I'm going to die today. I'm going to die in the most publicly humiliating, most excruciating way possible, known to man. Oh, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Do you think Jesus is absurd? No, Jesus isn't doing these things because he's thankful for these things to happen. No, Jesus was doing these things because Jesus understood the power of giving thanks. Is that when you choose to focus on the good, it helps you get through the bad. When you choose to give thanks, it helps you get through what you're going through. You might be wondering, why did Jesus even have to go through all of this? The reason is you and me. It's because the Bible says that each one of us, we are separated from God because of our sin. What is sin? Sin is that tendency in us, that attitude in us that says to hell with what God thinks, I'm going to do things my way. And that when we keep on doing that over and over and over and over in our lives, and we all do that, the Bible says that that separates us from a holy, perfect God, because we are far from holy and far from perfect. And the Bible even puts it this way. It says the wages of sin is death. In other words, the consequence for us living in sin and doing things our way is that we can't have anything to do with God. God is life. Our consequence is death. That we can't have anything to do with God, not now, not forever, not here on earth, not in heaven later. We don't deserve any of that because we've all sinned. God is holy. We are not not. But see, if that was the end of the Bible, then that would be really, really depressing. But the good news, the amazing news that is in the Bible, the unique only one in the world message of the Bible is that when we had no way of reaching God, God still reached for us. God loved us with an unconditional love saying, I don't want to be without you. I can't bear the thought of spending eternity apart from you. And so what I'm going to do, I'm going to send Jesus Christ to live the life that none of us could live. A life that only God in the flesh could live. A life that met all of God's requirements. That's Jesus. And then Jesus, he died on the cross to pay for our sins such that the debt that we were supposed to pay, Jesus paid for us. The debt that we could never pay on our own, Jesus paid on our behalf. The, the, the penalty that we were supposed to receive, Jesus took on for us. The death we were supposed to die, Jesus died in our place. He did that on the cross where he died. Oh, come on. That's the love of God for you and for me. For God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. And not only did Jesus die on the cross because he loves us and wanted to bring us back to God, but even more, Jesus rose again to show that of all the individuals who ever started a new faith and new religion, said a bunch of things about God and what happens after you die, all of them died and stayed dead. Jesus is the one and only who said a bunch of things about God, what the purpose of life is, why you're here and what's what's up ahead. Not only did he die, but he rose again to show you can trust what Jesus says. And so it's one of those things where you can trust Jesus. And when Jesus says, trust in me, your sins are forgiven. He means what he says. It's not something that we can earn. It's not something we can do ourselves. That's what Jesus did for us. That's why Jesus went to the cross. It was his purpose for being here on this earth. In fact, all over the world today, Christians, they they, they will remember this moment of Jesus' life where they'll take bread and cup in hand, and they will eat and drink in remembrance of Jesus' sacrifice. We do this at the beginning of every month. We call it communion. Other churches, they call it the Lord's Supper. Other churches still, they use an even more ancient term called the Eucharist, and the Eucharist, if you're wondering where that term came from, it comes from the Greek word eucharisto, which means Give thanks. Jesus gave thanks at that last supper. His last supper was a thanksgiving meal. And because Jesus kept on giving thanks on the worst night of his life, it helped him to persevere through all that he was going through and endure the cross for us and fulfill his purpose in life. And what is that for us? what, What the lesson there is for us, one of them is when you choose to give thanks, it helps you to persevere. When you choose to give thanks, it helps you get through your tough time and fulfill God's purpose for your life. Are you going through a tough season in your life right now? Maybe it's tough beyond anything you've told anyone and secretly you are just under a tremendous amount of pressure. It's like you're carrying a weight every single day. Can I tell you this today? God is not done with your story. God is still on his throne. God is still in control. God still has a purpose for your life and you need to persevere because when you persevere it enables you to fulfill the purpose that God has for you and the way you persevere one of the big keys to it is you choose a thankful heart you choose to give thanks because when you choose to give thanks it keeps your heart afloat when your circumstances make you want to sink that's the power of choosing to give thanks Could you turn to your neighbor and say I need, I need to give thanks i need to give thanks see today we've been learning three ways that choosing to give thanks is powerful Number one, when you choose to give thanks, you realize you're a lot more blessed than you first thought. Number two, when you choose to give thanks, it brings dead things back to life. And number three, when you choose to give thanks, it helps you get through life's toughest times and fulfill God's purpose for your life. Has this been helpful in this place today? Since thanksgiving is so powerful, How can you and I choose to give thanks more? How can you and I develop a more thankful heart? How can we become more thankful people since Thanksgiving is so powerful and we need that power in our lives? Here's just a couple ways that you and I can do that. Number one, realize that Thanksgiving is not just a feeling, Thanksgiving is a choice. See, a lot of people, they think Thanksgiving is a feeling. And so they wait for that feeling of Thanksgiving to come to them before they ever give thanks, and that's why they never give thanks. <laughs> but you're going to find this: Thanksgiving ain't a feeling. Thanksgiving is a choice. Look at First Thessalonians 5:18. It says this: It says, "Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus." Notice it doesn't say feel thankful all the time. It says give thanks in all circumstances. You won't always feel like giving thanks, but if If you would make the choice to give thanks, eventually the feelings will follow after you because Thanksgiving is not just a feeling. Thanksgiving is a choice. Number two, choose to give thanks, not just in the good times, but also in the tough times. It's easy to give thanks when you pass that exam and you do well. It's easy to give thanks when everything is going your way. It is harder, but even more important to give thanks when things are not going well. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, give thanks in all circumstances. Notice it didn't say give thanks for all circumstances. That's absurd. You know, I I actually injured my shoulder recently. We were doing a move as a family from one house to another and I was carrying a lot of boxes. And then one day, just over wear and tear, my, my shoulder just wasn't feeling the same way anymore. It started to hurt to do just very normal things. I got it checked out. It turned out that I, I, I pinched some kind of tendon such that I can't exercise the way that I used to. I, I have trouble sleeping these days. Uh, you know, but it's one of those things where does God expect me to thank God for all circumstance? Oh, God, thank you for the pain. God, thank you for the stress. God, thank you for the inconvenience. Thank you, God, for the increased medical bills. No, God, God that's, that's silly. God doesn't ask for that. But what he asks us to do is to give thanks in all circumstances. Is that in every circumstance you're in, no matter how difficult or how inconvenient or how disappointed it is, there is always something to thank God for. And, you know, I could thank God, God, thank you that nothing worse happened. Thank you that it was just this shoulder, not maybe both shoulders. You know, thank you that, you know, I can still carry my son Caleb into his crib before he goes to sleep. Thank you, God, that I've got one extra reason to ask my wife, Charlene, to give me a massage every night. You know, it's, it's just, there's so many things we can thank, be thankful for if we just keep our radar, radar on for things to be thankful for. And so like that pastor said to me when I was having a tough time, I'm saying it to you today, every day, find something to be thankful for. Every day, find something to be thankful for. And if you are not sure what to thank God for, thank God for this, that God loves you and he sent Jesus Christ for you. Thank God for that. That's the greatest reason to thank God for. Number three, go out of your way to express your thanks. You're gonna find this, that thanksgiving is not just a feeling you hold to yourself, but there's always two parties to thanksgiving. There's the giver of the thanks, there's the receiver of the thanks. And so I encourage you, whenever there's a good thing that happens in your life, then I encourage you to give thanks to God. The Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from heaven above. Now, there's God as the source of every good thing that we know. And so thank God. Thank God often. Be vocal about it. See, God, thank you for that. And I encourage you also to be thankful and thankful toward the people around you and express that thanks. Don't wait for that special moment, but be someone who's vocal about your thanks often because thanks is meant to be expressed. That's the power of giving thanks. It's not just in the feeling of it. It's the expressing of it. And so I encourage you to be the most vocally thankful person around. Because when you feel thankful, you're blessed. But when you give thanks, you're a blessing to others as well. Praise God. Today is Thanksgiving Sunday. And it's Thanksgiving Sunday not because of just turkey and a statutory holiday. It's Thanksgiving Sunday because we choose to give thanks. Because God is good even when life is not. And I encourage you today to give thanks to God because he's here and he loves you. Maybe you're here and you're kind of new to all this and we're so glad you're here. And you might be kind of like, I'm new to church, I'm coming in from another background, just kind of exploring, what's my next step? Well, let me give you a suggestion today is that today we're learning about how Jesus went to the cross for us because he loves us, because he didn't want God and us to be apart from one another. So he died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. And it's one thing to know it, but that's not what the power is. That's not where the power is. The power is in receiving it. And if you've never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, then that is your next step. Your next step is to ask Jesus to forgive your sins. You don't need to come from a Christian background to do that. You can come from any background whatsoever because this applies to all of us. We are all sinners who need a savior. And if you realize today that you've never done that before, but you want to do that today, I want to give you an opportunity to do exactly that, is that you can ask Jesus Christ to forgive your sins. He's going to give you a peace that the world cannot give because of that. And if you want to do that, it's as simple as praying a prayer. It's not so much the words you say as the attitude of your heart, but we want to help you as much as we can. So what I will encourage you to do so that you can pray a prayer that you know, makes sense and a prayer that you can use to humble yourself before God, you can do a couple things. One is you can scan that QR code that's on your screen. Or in your chat room for our online family, you can click the link that's in your chat room. Or you can go to mythought.info. There's a little button that says, I want to ask Jesus into my life. And this simple prayer is a prayer that you can pray to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to ask him into your life. And I encourage you, if you've never taken that step before, this is your next step. It is the most awesome step you could take. You don't have to have gone to church all your life. You could be here first time ever in a church. But if you realize today that this message is for you and you realize today that you're a sinner who needs a savior, then you're not alone. We're all in that boat. And we encourage you to pray this prayer today as well. So why don't you click that link, scan that code. And uh, I'm gonna ask you just to pray this. And so, so you're not doing this alone, I'm gonna pray this prayer with you as well in fact those of you who are here who've prayed this prayer before i encourage you to pray it with those who are never who've never prayed it before praying for the first time so with that in mind why don't you do this with me why don't you pray with me right now we're just going to pray this simple prayer and ask jesus to forgive us for our sins it says dear jesus, dear jesus thank, you thank you that because you love me, you, love you, me. Died you died on the cross to pay for my sins, for my sins. you rose again to give me life. Today, I open up my heart and I ask you, please forgive me of my sins and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I place my trust not in what I do, but in what you've done for me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer just now and you meant that prayer from your heart, then the Bible says you are forgiven of your sins. You're a child of God. You're a citizen of heaven. You have a relationship with God, not based on how good you are because we would never earn this gift. It's a gift that Jesus won for you on the cross. And so if you prayed that prayer, big congratulations to you. It's one of the best decisions you could ever make. And we have some gifts to encourage you in this new relationship with God. Just go down to the end of that prayer page that you just prayed. We'd love to give those gifts to you. On top of that, we encourage you to keep coming to church because every baby needs a family to grow up in. We'd love to be your spiritual family. On top of that, we encourage you to get baptized. Baptism is not a graduation. Baptism is a simple step you take. It's a beginning. It's you simply saying, I know I'm a sinner who needs a savior and I thank Jesus Christ for dying for me and so with that in mind can we give God a big hand and a big shot let's let's right now